0: Get up, get get, up. get up. What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to episode 111 of the Mets Up podcast, the official podcast of the New York Mets, going over the San Diego Padres series, in which there were some peaks and valleys, I think you could say, pretty yeah. pretty easily, some ups and downs here. We're, we're not going to talk too much in depth about the first few games, just because It's not a whole lot there that we're really excited about talking. A couple games, not a few. Well, yeah, a couple, true. First two is a couple, not a few. Game three, much better. Game three, much better. We're more excited to talk about that one. And then let's be honest, the trade deadline's about a week away, and we have the Subway Series coming up. It's going to be the main topic of today's episode. So if you guys are enjoying what you're listening to, what you're seeing, make sure you're following us on all our social media, at MetsUp. That'll be on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're looking for the YouTube video, it is on the New York Mets YouTube page. Don't go to Mets up YouTube. Go to the New York Mets. Talking to more and more people, and apparently they had no clue.
1: Sad, so sad. A guy came up, up to us at the game on Friday. Was like, "What happened, you guys?" Yeah, and we we're like, "Oh wait, what do you mean?" <laughs> did you not
0: Did you not see us on the board before the game? Like we were now with the New York Mets. We're actually doing way better than we ever were, but.
1: We forgot to record that. We should record something for the old YouTube. Yeah, we'll channel. do. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do, do that, that yeah. right before the Subway
0: Series, maybe. Yeah. So if if you are looking for this on the old YouTube channel, or you you just saw that video, you can now watch this one and see us actually with the New York Mets now, which is probably huge news to you if you haven't seen <laughs> us. Because, yeah, oh
1: God, I thought these guys stopped. Yeah,
0: no, they're actually doing better than ever. If you're not listening, or if you're listening to us, I should say not not listening. If you are listening to us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcast, Drop us a rating, drop us a review. Saw some new reviews out there. Shout out to you guys, dropping the honest truth about the best Mets podcast out there.
1: We got back to a five-star rating on Spotify after it went briefly down to 4.9 for a little while. So thank you guys for that. But can you tell from this... Long and rambling intro. That's 1130 at night.
0: Yeah, it's 1130 (laughs) at night. Uh, We didn't even go to the stadium for this game because it was like, all right, let's let's give the Mets a little bit of a break. It's going to be a long night if we go to the stadium and production has to handle all the editing and stuff like that behind the scenes, along with driving home wherever they have to go. So today we're doing it back for what is going to be the last episode in my...
1: Current Astoria apartment. My former bedroom.
0: Yeah, James' former bedroom, my current office. This will be the last Mets Up episode filmed here. Have no fear, though. We'll have another spot for you whenever we're not at the stadium still. So.
1: Yeah. Best quickly, best, best moment of recording the podcast in this room.
0: I mean, I feel like the Max Scherzer one is always what I draw back to. I mean, Max Scherzer news... We had that huge spaces and like all these spaces also are part of the reason as to why the Mets yeah. ended up finding us, which is also really cool.
1: I still think that the last episode we did before the official Mets start was like one of the most fun ones. That was
0: cool. Yeah. yeah like being all jazzed ones. up mm-hmm. about like, whole, oh my goodness. And then you dropping in like, we're the official podcast yeah. of the Mets. Like,
1: and we went out afterwards from your friends. That was a good time.
0: Yeah, no, that was a good time. But I, all of it ended up being with us going out after, <laughs> yeah, <kind laughs> I, th- I yeah. think we just like, enjo- I think we enjoy social aspects. Yeah, we
1: like the fun part of it. But yeah, a lot, a lot of memories in this room for me and this podcast can be funny to watch it fade away
0: yeah and then we'll have a new spot for you guys very very soon let's go ahead though and talk about the start of the series Padres coming in after the all-star break Padres one of the better teams in the National League but they weren't playing particularly well going into the break
1: Padres might just kind of be our kryptonite especially the way it lined up facing the Padres the first three games after the break if you face the Padres for a random series chances are you aren't going to see all of their best pitchers come up to you in a row the Mets happen to get all their best pitchers and we know the Mets struggles against Darvish Blake Snell handled us on Saturday, then it came to Sunday. It looked like Joe Musgrove was doing the same. We found a way to break through, but it just kind of goes... A- Keeps going on with the theme this year that this Mets lineup seems to struggle against very good starting pitching,
0: which is also kind of understandable. Like when it you makes do logical sense, yeah, yeah, logically it's just like man, I would I would love to be able to hit you, Darvish, because I mean, game one outside of the lack of offense in game one and two, the vibes at the park were awesome,
1: awesome, very good. A lot of people there, great giveaways all series too. Yeah, was Friday a giveaway?
0: No, Friday I don't think there was. Friday was Korean night.
1: Yeah, and WWE night. Yes. Okay, those, yeah, double- So that's,
0: that's what happened. Saturday, you had the Funko Pops. One of the, the
1: craziest giveaways in the history of the yeah. Mets. Very, very hot market item that night.
0: Yes, uh, tight security, for sure. One, tight security in <laughs> the Funko Pops. For yeah, you, what were we going to say?
1: <laughs> Just do you want to make sure people get a lot of Funko Pops, because you know the resale value is going to be pretty major. Funko Pops themselves are like a hilariously popular collectible. This is the only time you're ever going to get a David Wright Captain America one. It's
0: pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm, cool, gl- yeah. I'm glad we ended up getting one, Very which is nice. we did end up getting one. We did miss the Gil Hodges bobblehead, though, which I guess is also a, a good time to talk about Gil Hodges in the Hall of Fame, yeah, deserving.
1: Absolutely. His uh, dollar gave a great speech. A lot of guys got in the Hall of Fame on Sunday that kind of were due to get into the Hall of Fame for a while. And then also David Ortiz, which however you feel about David Ortiz being a first battle Hall of Famer, that's whatever. We're not going to bog down this episode of Hall of Fame talk. But very nice to see the Hodges family there and for Mrs. Hodges to still be alive. She wasn't there presently, but to still be alive to see it. And how we told a crazy story today about why it actually took Gil Hodges so long to get into the Hall? What do you say? So he, he was up for a Veterans Committee vote, I believe, in the 80s or 90s maybe even earlier, because how he said it was 30 years ago, but it sounded like it was longer ago, because the story contained Roy Campanella and Ted Williams. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah, Those those guys have been dead for uh, for a hot minute here. But the old rule was that to get in with the Veterans Committee vote, the voters had to be present. And Roy Campanella, a teammate of Gil Hodges, one of of his closest personal friends, one of his major campaigners to getting in the hall, was actually in the hospital and couldn't submit his vote live, even though he was the one pushing pushing this, running the campaign basically for the whole year. That's... And Ted Williams, who's chair of the committee, said the vote didn't count. And that's how Hodges missed the first time. He that's... tried to get with the Veterans Committee.
0: That's also insane, how by the way. Is why is the Hall of Fame... Ted
1: Williams, man, strict. Yeah, like, I know. It's oh
0: <laughs> like, you got to stick to the book. I, don't, I just don't even understand why the Hall of Fame ba- voting like that is just... The Veterans Committee, we're going to... Harold Baines got in from the Veterans Committee.
1: Jerry Reinsdorf is a, a friend of the committee.
0: But, I mean, glad for Gil Hodges, glad for the Hodges family. Obviously, yes. the guy has deserved it for years and years. And we were talking about, again, the vibes at the park were really good. Uh, we saw the Padres. Well, we I guess we started a little controversy with Padres Twitter, with our Twitters, because they're wearing LFGSD shirts with, like that's a little bit of a mouthful it doesn't really ro- roll off the tongue sense, like yeah. LFGM.
1: no it doesn't sound that good either there's too many initials like why are you have this many letters what code are you trying to tell so as
0: a good you know internet journalist as a good youtuber as a social media guy myself I went to James I said I need to take a picture of this and post it because regardless we're gonna get this we're gonna get people talking it's gonna get clicks don't really care what the backstory oh my is God,
1: we got so many replies it was beautiful the
0: San Diego Padres fans were Furious. So basically, We're what
1: flying I- for twenty four hours? Yeah,
0: what, what basically ended up happening is that I guess last year Jorge Alfaro or earlier in the year, right? He wasn't on the Padres it, last year, was he? he? Was, was he? I don't know.
1: I think, he, I think
0: he was. Okay, so last year, I guess it was. Then he hit a walk off home run, and he kind of did the LF you know, GM thing, but he did it with San Diego. So that became their their entire thing. And he was I, I guess they had those shirts made or someone in San Diego had them no, made. it
1: was in the Marlins all last year. Okay, so then year. it was earlier this year. Yeah. But
0: uh yeah, and that was like his term. So they're like, it has nothing to do with the Mets. And it was like, okay, but even if it doesn't, like We
1: know got, where you got it from. Yeah,
0: we know where you got it from and we got you, San Diego. You you, you replied to Mets' up Twitter. You have no reason to. That's that's prime bait right there. So a little a little Good fist bump there. there.
1: Another fun thing before the game, Jet Williams has signed his contract, first-round pick, last Sunday. Only a week ago, feels like a million years ago. It does. First-round pick from the Mets out of Texas, high school kid. He was at the ballpark. He was getting just absolutely swarmed by reporters. But we did spend a little bit of time with Jet, made a TikTok, got to walk around with him, shout-out him his agent, Chris Rose. We had a very nice time with Jet, and a very charming and engaging young man, I'm very confident in his future.
0: You forget sometimes, like, just talking to him, you're like, oh, yeah, you're, like, 18 years old. You're yeah. You're basically a child. So, like, seeing him, like, walk around and, like, it's almost—it's not that he was like spaced out, but it was almost like, "Oh my God, my my yeah. childhood dream just came true. I just signed a contract for millions of dollars with the New York Mets." Like just taking it all in, and he was exhausted by the end of it yeah, all. Yeah,
1: he was like signing autographs. People were asking him for pictures, and then the other side of that coin just complete juxtaposition there were multiple security guards we were walking around the tunnels trying to get spots to tick tock like hey where are you going and i was like it's the best first round pick <laughs>
0: it's chet williams you not know i mean he's a really nice dude I had yeah, some good, good conversations nice yeah it was cool yeah I'd like to get it it was also funny because when he walked down to the field of course 18 year old kid he doesn't know who's important and who's not and me and james are standing next to all the reporters and stuff but we have our badges on and he comes right up to us and gives us a handshake yep. like hey how are you nice to meet you it's he's like well jet. i don't think you think you know who we are like we're the podcast guys right. He
1: probably likes us now oh, of
0: course i mean jeff follows all the instagram all the social medias yes. as you guys should too and, at met stuff and
1: reposted us yeah so
0: shout out to jet it's cool that he was there we also got a really awesome interview with chris bassett that's going to come to you guys i don't know when soon soon really awesome stuff uh, that was like last minute we thought we were going to talk to giorme or somebody else and chris bassett ended up being the guy and he gave us some great sound bites. He's
1: a really good dude. He's funny as hell. Yeah, he's funny. And he's such a massive human being. You don't even realize like how big these guys are, especially the pitchers. So you're sitting down next to them, try to give him a handshake, and he just swallows you up.
0: Yeah, it's like his hands. You're like, I got little baby hands compared to what Chris Bassett. He's also, he's so long. He's got yeah, long arms. I blank. feel like when you watch him pitch too, his arms is like, wow.
1: Basketball passed. Yeah,
0: basketball passed. I mean, we, we've
1: been pontificating on all our nonsense. We got to the park very early on Friday. We had a whole day before the game started. And then when the game did get started, the only thing that I think we're really going to talk about very much is Max Scherzer. Yeah. Max Scherzer, the great star. First game out of the All-Star break. Well,
0: we also forgot to mention that Daniel Vogelbach got traded to the oh, Mets. Oh, yeah, like literally or
1: moments before first Vog- match.
0: Vogelbach. It's Vogel. not Vogelbach. Vogel That's a, back. It's a bad habit I have to break. He's Daniel Vogelbach. Yeah, we because we are on the field, we were doing all that stuff, and you're like, let just trade for Daniel Vogelback. That was Daniel Vogelback for Colin Holderman, which I know a lot of people in the Mets world, Mets Twitter, whatever it be, were a little bit confused on the trade uh, just because Holderman has been really solid for this team and does yeah. have the years of control. But Vogelback also has what, like three years of control and yeah, is.
1: rookie in 2019.
0: Pretty good hitter. Pretty yeah. good, especially against the right handed pitching.
1: And Holderman, I think people probably looked at him and were like, this is a right handed reliever without top end velocity and without an elite breaking ball. So you think theoretically you could probably replace that. Relatively easily, so you get a hitter. Where something you couldn't replace because the Mets have not been able to replace that. This yeah,
0: year. and the Mets have definitely shown like a guy like Adonis Medina can be yes. very valuable. Even Johan Lopez, who's coming and yeah. done really well for this Fine. team. So right-handed relievers, right-handed relievers for a good power bat, definitely in. But now go talk about Scherzer after I stop you.
1: Max Scherzer was great. The vibes in the park were amazing. First came out of the All Star break, he was ripping and rolling. He, what are you laughing about?
0: I I read what you put in the notes. Oh, <laughs> about <laughs> but yeah yeah. Get to it. Just <laughs> get to it. it.
1: Um. Beginning of the game, the first two innings were electric. I think he struck out the first two batters of the game and had four through three innings, or through two innings. Marcos to me, this feels like one of those games where he's going to take a no-hitter deep. Yeah. I said, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you say that? (laughs) Literally, right after that third inning, two men on, fourth and a couple men on. And I believe the fifth inning is when he gave up the home run to freaking Eric Hosmer that had me just spinning in my seat. But more about the good stuff with Scherzer, because that's what we're going to talk about right now. Yeah, we don't need to talk about the jinx. Yeah, yeah, whatever. H-Right got six innings, 15 whiffs. 14 of those whiffs came on his fastball and slider, which is. Only counted for 76% of his pitches, but he has been inching up using those two more as his most two effective pitches. Hilariously, just a savvy veteran move by Scherzer. He threw six curveballs in this game and got five called strikes. Really? Yeah, really cool.
0: Oh, That's cool. Yeah, I mean he's just he's he's really good. He changes if every start. He just does a little something different, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you're like, oh, this is why. The guy's been one of the best pitchers for the last 10 years.
1: Literally, and he passed Bob Gibson this game on the all-time strikeout list, which is pretty cool. One, because Bob Gibson's an all-time great pitcher, so yeah. seeing Max Scherzer pass him kind of puts into perspective how amazing this guy has been for as long. But also, Scherzer grew up in St. Louis, big Cardinal fan, him and his dad, and he said that Bob Gibson was like his all-time favorite pitcher to watch. One of his idols, his dad's favorite pitcher. And then afterwards, I think he was talking to Como, and he said he did book reports on Gibson left and right. That feels right. Yeah, which is hilarious. I, mean, I did a couple book reports on baseball players growing up. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Who,
0: what baseball players? A few on Jackie. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Jackie's another good guy. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely a historical figure. 100%. So, I mean, good for Max, passing one of his idols, and obviously, like you say, he's just been one of the best pitchers that we've seen in a very long time. It was just that one mistake to Hosmer. That was yeah. pretty much it.
1: Yeah, basically. Then Trent Grisham, also with a homer late in this game. I'm only mentioning that because Trent Grisham has done something hilarious where he has exactly. One home run per week for nine straight weeks. That's
0: insane. Doesn't make any sense. And he has like nine home runs. I think
1: those are nine home runs. Yeah, he hasn't yeah. hit any home runs. He has literally nine, one per week, every single week.
0: I mean, Dar- Darvish just dominated us. We couldn't yeah. hit. I don't. I don't really want to even talk about Darvish too much.
1: I'm gonna do it because we did it last time that Darvish dominated us in San Diego. So I'm gonna do the stats again because it's ridiculous. A so the guy like you, Darvish, who's had a very good career, great pitcher, but great no pitcher, up and down against the Mets, eight starts, five and oh, 52 and two thirds innings, two point five ERA, which is shockingly high that I is shockingly that high. high i thought it was gonna be like a 1.2 0.7 whip that makes sense yeah 29 like strikeout rate
0: yeah and i think even when he was swinging it uh he had a yeah, couple hits so thank goodness they didn't let you darvish hit in this game either because i'm sure he would have done something it was just you know it was one of those games that it stinks to lose because it was a winnable game it,
1: and had a few late rallies against yeah. the padres bullpen we tried taylor rogers who has been hot and cold over the last month and a half we looked like we had a couple shots there, hit the ball hard too, she yeah. didn't find it, the one other fun thing we did during this game though, towards the end, oh, yeah. we spent a very long time with someone you guys may know from Twitter as, it's UK Mets,
0: UK Mets, NYC, NYC, and I think there might be a 15 in there, something yeah, something
1: like that, but, chap from across the pond, chap- wow, that was horrible, I'm not an accent guy, no, definitely not, <laughs> so I'm playing in here, have some fun with it, but, did a nice interview with him, that'll probably come out as a bonus episode too at some point, check out his Twitter, he's, just British guy who fell in love with the Mets over the last two years. He was a good hang, too. He had pastrami for the first time in his life. You guys can watch that instant reaction, either on our show or on the Mets TikTok or something the next few days. It was really, really freaking funny. Never had pastrami.
0: You also talk about, uh, you were saying, you don't realize how big these guys were. Yeah. Darren, who is the UK Mets fan, is just a absolutely massive human Brolic. being. He's massive. So, it was nice to meet him. He yeah. got to experience his first ever, uh, you know, games at City Field. And that's got to be a cool feeling for someone who's, a relatively new Mets fan to experience something like that because, like we said, the vibes were there from the beginning. Yeah, just didn't got end up,
1: Chills coming into the ballpark, which
0: is cool because that's something at my in my experience when I went to England and I went to see a Chelsea game out at Stamford Bridge. Same thing. I walked in, I was like, I got chills. I was like, yeah. this is different. So to hear a, someone in from the UK who their fans are, they're nuts. Like mm-hmm. Mets fans, we're crazy. English soccer fans are on a different level. Honestly, yeah. it's like almost like a cult in a sense.
1: I had that same chills moment when I went to a game at uh, San Siro in Milan, and also I think. Probably a couple Ohio State games, just like seeing the crowd yeah. And stuff. That's a different different athletic vibe. But whenever you're you go to this live event that you don't go to very often, you get that you get that cool like rush of moment just being a sports fan, which is really cool. Yeah.
0: Now move on to game two here. Uh, same thing as game one.
1: Kinda of like the exact same game.
0: Real, real stink fest. Uh We had fun though. Yeah, we had. I mean, we, we had, had a great, great time. We had a good day. Again, this is the last weekend I have this apartment here in Queens, and there's quite there's a nice terrace that we have. Beautiful terrace. Was so clutched during COVID that mm-hmm. we were able to basically all hang out outside together, socially distant. Yeah,
1: helped us help us kind of create this friend group that we've had for years now in the city. Yeah, for
0: sure, yeah, and nice. it's nice. So we're celebrating that, having a good time tailgating a little bit before the game as well shout out scuffy shout out scuffy mcgee twitch streamer if you guys know him from mb the show you might you might check him out if you like mb the show he's a good dude but the game was rough
1: no but the one great thing about this game was chris bassett was incredible seven innings 11 strikeouts two earned runs zero walks four hits against the padres offense that lit him up for seven runs A few months ago, and Mets fans thought he wasn't good for some reason because he had a 4.5 ERA over a five-start sample. Turns out he's actually great. He's kind of been dominant literally every single start since that happened. Yeah. Even with the COVID break in between, 11 strikeouts matched a career high. Recorded at least one strikeout with five different pitches, which is the Bassett special. I think he had either four or five perfect innings as well.
0: Well, that was when we were talking to him. We talked about how is it using Pitchcom with all those pitches, which you guys will hear about. But it's what makes him so great is that he just does have all those weapons to use.
1: Yeah, he just just throws them all. Big, deep, deep tool bag, as we like to say on here. Dating back is a Johnny Stat stat right here. Dating back to the start of 2021. Only Darvish and DeGrom have a lower expecting batting average against their four-seam fastball than Bassett. That was a mouthful. You can
0: read that like Tim Kirkshin next yeah. time.
1: Only Chris Bassett have a lower expected batting average against a four-seam fastball than Chris Bassett. <laughs> he didn't even throw the four-seam fastball that much. <laughs> but he also just had 10 whiffs with 11 strikeouts, which is one of the funniest stats I've seen this entire year. Yeah. But 13 called strikes individually on his sinker, just spotting it on the edges all night long.
0: And it's funny you mention that because the one pitch that he didn't get yeah. for a called strike the next pitch, right after that, man Machado hit the two-run yeah. home run, and that was the difference in the game. Which yeah. you know, Bassett should have got a punchy there. I think on second look, by some different baseball savant stackcast things, it might have been a ball. But I'm taking the MLB game day feed as truth as it always is, and we got screwed there. But again, the offense didn't show you up.
1: Score more runs.
0: Like you give up two runs to the Padres over a yeah. nine-inning game the Mets should win. I, yeah. We were on the Twitter spaces, and I was like, when the Mets score four more runs, they... It's like they,
1: a 94% winning percentage. They almost don't lose. Yeah.
0: Like, it's it's insane, so...
1: Well, this also, this start from Bassett set a Mets team record with 13 straight games, allowing two runs or fewer by the starting pitchers. And Damn. over that exact span, the Mets starters have a 1.67 ERA, and that was before Carlos Carrasco gave up no earned runs for five innings on Sunday to extend this record 14 games, 95 strikeouts, only 17 walks. Mets starters also have the most strikeouts in all of baseball for the month of July.
0: That's, I mean, the starting pitching has been really great, and we still don't even have Jacob Degrom. It's no. crazy, but it's also that's also so the Max. Did
1: Scherzer for six weeks?
0: Yeah, we did get like what now four starts of Scherzer. Is that Back, his fourth? Something like that, yeah. Maybe? So, and that that does make a huge difference because he's been just pretty pretty awesome in every single one.
1: Awesome. Bassett too, and we've mentioned this a few times with Bassett. I have specifically about his curveball, and he keeps throwing it more and more and more. Set another season high for his curveball up, up, usage rate. Third time his last five starts. He says season high. I really like that pitch. It's a really pretty hook.
0: Yeah. On the offensive side of things, bad. before to talk about the elephant in the room, uh, Pete Alonso had a good day. He had three hits, which was nice to see Pete swing the bat well out of the All Star break. Yeah. And also just got to mention Luke Voigt because Luke Voigt is one of the. I mean, now we have Dan Vogel back, who's probably one of the funniest players on a baseball field yeah. as well. But Luke Voigt is like.
1: Another St. Louis guy, too.
0: Yeah. He went to Missouri yeah. State, Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. I know that for a fact, actually. And he's. I don't know how to explain it, but he's like almost a caricature. He's like a bro. Yeah, he's like a caricature of a bro who plays baseball, but he's like not a bro because he's cool.
1: He's like exactly he, – you know what he's like? This, this, this might be a little, little high-level analogy here. He's like if like a Jersey Shore bro went out in Cape Cod. Okay. You see what I'm saying yeah, here? I see that. Where like he's like rocking. He's got the big chest. He's burly with the chest hair. But then he still. I feel like he still tries to like keep it in a little bit more. Keep it in a little bit more. Yeah. And he, He's like he, he likes to have he didn't like the he, he likes his head like that. He likes to dad. have fun.
0: He's not trying to fight people. Like <laughs> no, he might. He he. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to piss off Luke Void. He's no. the dude is. Quite literally popping out of his jersey, as we can tell by the lack of buttons that he has on. How many buttons did he have off on this game? Because I know that was a big thing for John. Maybe he has that number for us if they actually got it the official. Also, on
1: the board. Mike Janella had a funny line about it, too. I think it was over under three and a half buttons left by the seventh inning.
0: Which... It's, it's impressive a good line. it's a tight line it's honestly crazy that he doesn't just play with the jersey completely unbuttoned at this point <laughs> like, a funny if he did do that you think, you think baseball would let him no no 100% no yeah, strict with the uniform stuff
1: yeah it's as much as he's gonna get but this game just couldn't hit mess didn't even have one hard hit ball after the sixth inning which against a padres bullpen that's good not great you just gotta hit the ball harder
0: okay let's talk about the elephant in the room now the thing that i think that everyone wants to hear the Nito pinch hit the Nito situation yeah. uh Interesting. Yeah. I Interesting. Know. I I think we, we talk about process a lot, and I think that was a little bit of a confusing one that with Jeff McNeil on the bench in the ninth inning with a tying run on third base, that they kept Tomas Nito in to hit. When we do have a backup catcher in Pat Mazika on the roster able yeah. to catch, this was the hot topic. I think yeah. this got a lot of Mets fans, even, ourselves included, after the game. We were yeah. a little bit like, we can't really understand the decision-making behind this. No, McNeil doesn't hit lefties as well as he does righties, but... It, it's a process thing, right?
1: Yeah, just also the way that Buck described the saying that Nido was in the flow of the game where I'm like, oh, I, don't know, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's- I, said, I wish I had something better than that after that. But it was weird, especially now that we are going to second guess it because it didn't work. Yeah. There was also the moment before that where Travis Jankowski looked like he could have scored. Who hit that bloop double? J.D., JD at the yeah. double, yeah. So there was a chance it would have been a bang bang play. You would have needed he would have he would need the Padres to screw something up.
0: He would have needed Eric Hosmer to make a Lucas to throw yeah. like, <laughs> to have a chance because it really was honestly you
1: know, that moment eerily that. similar
0: to yeah. like the the distance that there was, was between like, them. It
1: was such a it was such a shallow blooper that even Jankowski getting to where he did from first was a was a spectacle because the guy can really fly, but. You would have he was like the cutoff came in from like 40 feet yeah. and then Hosmer was there like 100 feet from home. Like you really would have needed something good to happen. Which is possible.
0: Yeah, it is possible. I yeah. mean, you got to make a guy make a play, but I don't know. I with Hosmer in the Mets, he just he makes things happen. I don't know what wow, happens when he comes serious. to New he's York. Hot. What the hell? That's the worst. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's he's a rat. Yes, <laughs> he he's
1: he's he's the king of the list. he's,
0: he's the king right <laughs> Number now. Number one rat. Enough of game 1 and 2 where they lost. Let's talk about game 3 where the Mets win. Yes. Hey. Great way to end the series.
1: For like five innings, though, this felt like we we're watching the same game over again for three straight days. Oh a yeah, Hog Day situation. I was
0: uh, I was getting curmudgeon-y. I was yeah, yeah, I was, was doing too. a little bit of pacing, going like, frustrated. What's going on? Why aren't we hitting? Why why? I, I know Joe Musgrove's good, but I was I was having like a existential crisis.
1: Also, so brutal waiting all day for this game after the two losses. Oh my god! Just seven. <sighs> you're like, oh come on, get there. Let's play, please.
0: Like I don't have a so in the past I didn't like Sunday night baseball because of who was doing the game I think this crew is significantly better yeah. than there have been in a long time What is it Carl Ravitch Eduardo Perez and David Cohn
1: Coney, uh,
0: friend of the podcast Yeah,
1: bro, recurring guest
0: follower of James Chiano Yes, <laughs> so I like the broadcast group It's just like man these seven o'clock Sunday night games like I
2: Hey Rob Bradford here You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best the power of their data wasabi another boston based championship team
0: i truly love 1 oclock sunday baseball games 130 now 130 now, now. We've my bad say, yeah but say, yeah. those are incredible
1: i know they're great
0: seven o'clock games a little bit of a slog especially sometimes Especially with
1: espn there's so many commercials it's oh it's like a guaranteed three and a half hour game we're sitting here at 11 45 trying to record the podcast yeah See, espn's got to think more about the podcast yeah
0: think it's about a, the met's the podcast class especially when we have another late night game going with the yankees this yeah, week too
1: like uh, i gotta I got, I got be in my office every day this week too yeah, you have a real it's job a, it's a big week for james he yeah, oh, can't sleep in like yours no. truly yeah i go get up tomorrow night and go, go to my <laughs> office but Carrasco did a very good job in this game. Something he has found a way to do a lot of times this year. Get into trouble, but then also get out of it. He had the bases loaded in the first and wiggled free. He got double plays in the third and the fourth. John, give me a double play stab. What was it? Um, He's induced... Carrasco's induced at least two double plays and three straight starts. And has six total. So exactly two double plays and three straight starts. Has six total in that span. After inducing only seven in all of 2020 and 2021, 24 stars.
0: So I wonder what the reasoning is behind that. Well,
1: there's a big reason for this. Carlos Carrasco has rediscovered his sinker and actually has been throwing it significantly more over the last month. Okay. So maybe a cue from the Mets as a, to go against Carrasco's home run issues, as well as the ball flying a little bit more as the weather gets hot, throw more sinkers, try and get more ground balls. I mean, it's working. Working enough, but like it's also the point where now this game, you have five innings, two walks, one strikeout. He got yanked, I think, rightfully. Yes. We didn't really have that many pitches going around the line up a third time. Also, all these men on base really drove his pitch count up. He was sitting at like 85 after the five innings, something like that. Yeah, he
0: had been um, laboring a bit yeah. in this game. Like There weren't many easy innings and he had that weird one too where it was like the two dribblers and the yeah. one that clanked off his glove because he just kind of fell into the baseball a little yeah. bit after he threw it it was tough it wasn't an easy day for Carrasco but he gutted it out
1: he did and he threw that sinker his four seamer changeup, and slide they're all basically exactly 25 percent each hmm. so you do that keep those off balance you can find ways to get guys uncomfortable you're not missing bets
0: and we scored yes we, we scored score which was awesome I mean Like you said, it felt like it was going to be the third day in a row, like Groundhog's Day.
1: People were getting angry in the park after that fifth inning where we had second and third, nobody out people were starting to starting to do things
0: yeah which i mean the mets scored two runs in the first 23 innings of the series and then they drop a five spot in the six like thank god we needed that and it was so bad
1: Hosmer gave the padres the lead yes and people were like oh <laughs> like, my god eric
0: Hosmer plus the mets are losing plus they haven't been scoring this was like this you're, was
1: you're staring down the barrel of having zero leads in a three-game series with the yankees coming to town yeah
0: like that's just that's not good that's the, the newspapers will run with that yeah. run wild oh, man but luckily like we said we had that big that big inning pete Alonso hit the big home run yep. which was so i needed that so badly yeah. that was actually right when you arrived too things started turning around when yeah, you right when, I got when you got back to the apartment mm-hmm. and i mean like my tweet a very expletive laden tweet of like finally <laughs> finally we got some runs it just it was nice it was nice
1: yeah it was nice especially cuz like the ones we were getting guys on base they were getting hits this was, looked like it was going to be one of those awful games that you're like, just your clutch, your fists. You're like, how couldn't they win it? But they did. P had that one. And then we had a nice little rally after Musgrove came out of the game against Nick Martinez. That kind of got catalyzed by Hassan Kim making a strange play. He is, he's a good defender short shortstop, yes. I think, to the eye. I don't know what the analytics say about it. But went behind the bag, Vogelbach, who, thank God, this didn't happen. because Vogelbach. Vogelbach, Vogelbach, Vogelbach. We got to break the habit. Vogelbach.
0: He feels like such a Bach, though.
1: Yeah, he seems like a Bach. But he, he's a Bach. You think he listens to Bach?
0: I would say Daniel Vogelbach has listened to what was it Sebastian Bach is that his name possibly that feels about right I th- I would say he's listened to under one song of him so would that be 0
1: Bach doesn't have, like, songs. Like, all these old guys have, like, the symphony. It's, like, an hour long. Well, then... Beethoven's fourth.
0: I'll take under ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, easy, easy. Like, that's, like, that under. elementary school. They forced you to listen <laughs> to it. But he never has chosen to listen to Bach.
1: No, also, you talked about elementary school. Didn't he play high school ball with Nito Lindor?
0: Yes, and this was also his debut, which we didn't yeah, even... Yeah. Wait.
1: Bogle debut. Got a great ovation. And a walk and a big hit. Started this rally. But, balls behind second base. Vogel Back. Doesn't run the best, and Hassan Kim had a very easy opportunity to just get the lead runner at second. Decided to throw the cross not across the diamond, but across half the diamond to first. Got Kana Kanya. We didn't talk about that either. Yeah, what was saying Mark Kanya's name wrong? Well, kinda,
0: kinda. He was he got interviewed during the game, and he was saying that like died. yeah, a very very good interview. I, I like when they talk to some of these guys that have, like have personality like that. Like the stars are cool, obviously, always, but it's cool to find some of these other guys and yeah. Kana. Has definitely some personality, especially with the food stuff. This but, stuff about McNeil was so funny. Yeah, he was saying that he's a fourth-generation Portuguese descendant, which I had no clue. I had no clue he was Portuguese Wouldn't at all. Wouldn't have ge- If you gave me 100 guesses, I never would have guessed Portuguese. You
1: said Jeff McNeil eats Lunchables. Yes. <laughs> That's one of the funny things I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that. You can't have Lunchables when you have a kid. That's like, there's got to be legality issues well, there.
0: They asked him about who's the worst eater or who has the worst food taste on the team and he cracked up immediately and they're like oh like maybe you don't know how the guys eat yet because you've been with the team for less than a year he's like no no no, i have the answer it's like not even it's not even debatable it's jeff mcneil and they're like why he's like well you know like he's a little picky like jeff you'll see hamburgers that's what they'll eat for the you know pre-game meal they'll have hamburgers maybe for the day and he goes it's gonna be a good day for jeff like he's he's got a hamburger what can he find wrong with this and he goes, and Jeff will just be like, oh, no, I don't like the hamburgers. I, I, don't, I don't like those today. He's like, I saw him eating, like you said, the Lunch boy." He said "He's eating Ritz crackers and salami before the game, which is just... I mean, like, shout to Jeff, friend of the podcast. Yeah. Saw him this, week, uh, this weekend. Said hi. Said hi, knew who we were.
1: Congratulated us. Yeah,
0: congratulated us. Very cool. Very nice guy. He'll be on here. He promised. We're going to get Jeff. <laughs> I'm putting that out in the ether. Jeff said he'll be on here. That being said... I think we're gonna have to ask him about his food stuff. What he does come 100%, on yeah, because those notes. I I need lunchables. We'll do a Mount
1: <laughs> We'll do a big three of lunchables. <laughs> oh my
0: god, dude, Jeff, uh, he's probably eaten a fair share of lunchables. Oh I, yeah. As someone who is a little bit of a picky eater myself, I respect it.
1: Yeah, Mark just to pull back the curtain. Mark took all of his food ideas, thoughts, and opinions as like a ten-year-old, and he stopped developing them. Th- to be Cut fair, off. I've
0: like had a vegetable or two recently. There you go. Like I see so you hear that. Like. <laughs> Would I have pot pie? I don't pick out the carrots and peas anymore. Because
1: yeah, that's psychotic behavior. Well, yeah, I'm
0: an adult man now. Favorite
1: fruit's an apple. Apple's the best fruit. That's the, that's the, that's the least imaginative oh thing God. I've ever heard. In my What's life.
0: your best? tell them what your favorite fruit is.
1: It's either probably a mango or a pineapple. Okay, those are good. Those, those are, are really fruits. good. Those yeah, are really good. Fantastic. But
0: you, I don't know. I feel like a good Granny Smith green apple. That's like nature's candy right that there.
1: That is literally the most basic fruit in the world. That's that, insane. That's like that is your favorite fruit when you haven't tried the other fruits yet. Maybe I don't know. Okay. It's Again, try three times. Talk about this play. Vogelback was safe at <laughs> yes, second. Yeah. Vogelback was safe at second. Canada's out first, and then we get the most the most incredible clip of the entire night. Luis Orme hits a blooper, falls in between Profar Kim and Machado, and Vogelback is just chugging round in second, coming around third, just hoo, 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 hoofing it home. Rough slide, but still made it safely. Are Dude, you checking sprint speed on yeah, him? Yeah, I wanna I wanna
0: see what his sprint speed is and see where he ranks. Because he kinda runs a little bit like Babe Ruth. He's got the little tiny steps and he is a bigger fella. So right
1: after this though, Tomas Neo hit a laser, got some insurance, broke your in. Whoa, that's bad.
0: Vogelbach is out of four hundred and ninety players, four hundred and eighty second in sprint speed. So I think
1: they did say though on that play that he got around um
0: Got around he, the twenty-four mark.
1: No, he got to like I think it was like seven, like seven, whatever, seven sprints, seven whatever per second. They list this as you're covered It's covering right there. Okay, the it's Vogelback also would go down longer. This is funny. It's <laughs> the second slowest non-catcher in the entire league. Only faster than Albert Pujols. Oh man. Oh, and Cabrera, and Miguel Cabrera. Oh, a little. Bit <laughs> He's not sl- there to run. No, but little, he a little he, bit slower than Jesus Aguilar. He did.
0: He did bust it though on he this. Did play. No, he bust
1: it. That's all you can ask for. And then, neither with the double, we got more insurance. Lay there, another Pete double, Lindora the hit. Good. Great. We needed, needed that little explosion. Got a little dirty in the ninth inning. Joely walked a couple guys. My Joely narrative was falling apart here. He's had a bad month. Yeah. But Edwin's the best closer in baseball. He saved it and it looked great.
0: It was really, I, I say this every time with Edwin, but 2019 Edwin, sweating there. 2022, Edwin. I literally, me and you didn't feel nervous for a second. No, We're like, we, okay, we, the game's we, over. We, now. D- we dug into the notes. Honestly, yeah. I was like, let's get to work. And yeah. that wraps up the Padres series. The Mets made a couple moves. Yeah, trade for Vogelback and Michael Perez, who's mm-hmm. going to be a depth catcher. It appears two Pirates guys, weirdly enough. Yeah, and
1: two separate trades. Yeah, bizarre.
0: For, for, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know Michael Perez. I don't really have much of a scouting report on that guy.
1: Um, his stats on Savant don't look that good, like pop time and framing. But Fangraphs has given him a positive defensive rating for each of the last two years. I think he's just basically going to be a different version of Nido. Okay. And I think he's a lefty. Oh,
0: really? I think he swings left-handed. that's pretty cool. I don't
1: think he hits the ball very well, but... We'll see. We'll see. That was with the Pirates. Oh, yeah. Get some some energy into these guys. Yeah. Get
0: get them on a winning team. Maybe things should turn around for Michael Perez at the plate. But we'll see how that goes. We still have Mazika up right now. And this kind of brings up the big conversation that everyone has been dying for us to talk about in depth. Congratulations, guys. You're getting it. It's trade deadline talk time. Because the trade deadline is what, just over a week away. It's Nine now days, I believe. Yeah, August 2nd, Bizarre. which is just awful, especially because we're traveling that day. I know.
1: We're gonna, <laughs> I think we're, gonna, we're doing an event with, uh, Should I just say it? Yeah, go with We're doing an event with Jolly Olive with uh, Amtrak going to a game in D.C., so it's going to be cool. We're going to be on the Amtrak train during the trade deadlines. So we're going to try and live stream from an Amtrak train.
0: Which is going to be absolute <laughs> chaos, but yeah. hey that's trade deadlines chaos i would want to know other way well actually i would i prefer to be here in front of my computer doing it totally. but
1: oh, that we, we had a great time with the deadline stream last year i picked up like hundreds of followers
0: yeah it was a t- ton of fun yes. and when the hobby bias trade yes. the deadline's fun that's i that's why i know you guys want us to talk about it so we went through and listed a ton of players a lot of guys. we're gonna give you a crash course yes we have maybe 10 to 15 ish players maybe we more well yeah, some some yeah. more in depth than others. Yeah, of course. Uh, a couple names that we want to mention that we don't think we'll trade for. So, yeah, we still have to mention them. You're the reliever guy. You're the pitcher. I'm gonna let you start start talking about a couple of these guys Absolutely. first. Absolutely.
1: But first and foremost, I do want to say I think it'd be cool if the Mets were involved in the big starters that might be moved between. Luis Castillo, Tyler Molly, Frankie Montas. It's not that, like, sure, the best right now might have too many starting pitchers, but I've literally never, ever heard of one that's a bad thing.
0: Dodgers always have, like, ten. So.
1: Yeah, Dodgers go into the year with the most pitching every single year, and they always still wind up with, like, just five by the time the playoffs come around. And those three guys are all difference makers in their own way. Castillo, the way he's adjusted his four-seam fastball this year, added more ride on it. He just looks like one of the best versions of himself we've ever seen. Tyler Molly's ERA not in Great American Ballpark is two. Guy's great. He's a fly ball pitcher. Gets a lot of swings and misses with a slider. He'd be a, he'd just fit like a glove into city field. Yeah. Frankie Montes, I don't think, gets the credit he deserves as a marquee pitcher in baseball because he pitches for the Oakland Athletics. Kind of similar to have you seen Chris Bassett this year. But Mm Montes has like upper 90s gas with a disgusting splitter. He's so good. I I really like all three of those guys and think all of them probably worth the premium in the trade. But for this conversation, I'm going to talk to you guys about relievers because. The Mets bullpen has had been up and down this year. Better than average overall. Yeah. One of the best strikeout rates of any bullpen in baseball. A lot of that's because of Edwin Diaz and Adam Alvino, of course. But definitely can't hurt to get another trustworthy, high-leverage guy out here, especially a lefty. And I'm yes. going to start that with two lefties who I think should be on the Mets' radar and who are having pretty good years. First one being Joe Mantiply, all-star from the Arizona Diamondbacks. I do think that... He will be pretty expensive because he has a couple years left of control. I think four years of team control yeah. on him. So he's going to be a tough gap, but I'm sure Dynamics is going to listen because he's like a 32 year old who throws 90 miles an hour. So you probably just got to trade them all the time. When you're
0: and, talking about a rebuild, he's not going to be a, a core piece that you're like, we got to keep Joe Mantiply. No,
1: because a guy like Joe Mantiply, talked about this a lot, but these relievers who don't throw that hard, who kind of rely on soft contact, it's easy for them to go up and down. But Mantiply has made an absolute, like, really legit change that's made him so good this year. He switched from a four seam fastball to a sinker over yep. the last two years developed that pitch because he only throws 90 so why am I trying to get swings and miss with the pitch let me just get some ground balls sinker's elite has plus movement vertically plus movement horizontally and with that pitch he just pounds the zone crafty lefty one percent walk rate best in all baseball hmm. no free pass you guys don't want to see reliever free passes that's mad to play. he's also very hard to square up it's a little loopy yeah a little loopy only giving up two barrels on the whole year
0: that's really impressive. Exactly. Listen, he's
1: going to the better kept secrets in bullpens right now, and he, I think, is very good and would be a good addition to this pen.
0: Yep, and then the other lefty is going to be Andrew Chafin, who everybody knew about this offseason, someone that a lot of Mets fans wanted. He's a little expensive, yeah. Um, which is kind of strange, kind of goes against what we say about relievers. But also
1: kind of works in the Mets' favor because I think less teams will be trying to trade for him because he's going to be due probably another 2 million this year, and he has a player option for $6.5 next year. So if he does pitch well... He'll probably just opt out. Yeah. And you could just not pay him That's it was, true. it was a lefty rental. Or if he does pitch, well, six and a half million is not the end of the world for a one year deal. Yeah, really. A at the end like of that. The day. And Chafin, I was a little bit low on him in the offseason because he was another one of these like sinker changeup guys from the lefty, like Silarm. He was good, but I just didn't know how uh, you know, year over year consistent the skill set was going to be. But I talked about how his slider was good and I wish he would throw it more. He's been throwing him a lot more this year. Yeah. It's become one of the nastiest pitches in baseball, sixty percent whiffs on the same level as where Edwin and David Peterson have theirs That's some of the most whiff sliders in baseball. I think he'd be a good
0: target. I'm going to throw out another lefty too because this is someone that I personally like, and I think it would be a fun little guy to bring in here. Well, he's not little, he's, he's, a ve- little guy, yeah. he's very big. He's <laughs> a large human being. He played basketball at the University of St. John's. That would be Amir Garrett, who's dominant against lefties. Mm-hmm. He throws gas, he has a devastating slider. He just walks guys a little bit. That's kind of his problem right now is his control. But again, Jeremy Hefner. Sprinkle that. And yeah. Amir Garrett's dying to play on a team that's good. Dying right. to. He's gone from the Reds to the Royals. I mean, that's baseball hell.
1: You could take a picture out of Kansas City and probably get like 20% more production out of them. Yeah, without I don't, know, them I don't without. know what they're telling those guys over there. Paper and pen. Yeah, paper and pen <laughs> organization. Except for the bats. They found out the bats. Now we're going to run through a couple of righties who are pretty interesting. Number one target. I think the a lot of people feel this way. But right now, Jorge Lopez has been mm-hmm. a breakout star here in Baltimore. Shifting from the rotation to the bullpen, is a twenty-nine-year-old. He's going to cost a lot because he's like an elite closer right now. Like he's statistically one of the better closers in all of baseball. The stuff is incredible. Sinker that sits ninety-eight, ninety-nine with good movement, slider, changeup, and curveball. Bringing that starters repertoire into the bullpen, similar yep. to Russell Iglesias. He has two more years of control too, but he like he would be he would give the Mets probably the best one-two punch of any bullpen in baseball right now. Yeah, it'd be pretty filthy. It, what, he's, Oral he's, Lopez giving the ball to Edmund Diaz would be kind of insane. He's
0: been absolutely locked down. And then some guys from Detroit, because we mentioned Andrew Chafin. Yeah. Again, we're talking about all the bad teams that we're trying to pick up guys from, which sounds weird because it's like, we want players from teams that aren't good. That's but... why
1: they're trading relievers. Exactly.
0: That's why they're trading them. Michael Fulmer, former Met. You guys yeah. remember him uh, from the Ioannis Espedes trade, right? Think,
1: think about how long ago that, that trade feels, and right now Michael Fulmer is in the rental stage of his reliever life cycle.
0: Yeah, so have you ever had a question about whether that trade was worth it or not yes <laughs> yes uh he's been pretty good he's just
1: yeah. like a solid reliever he is he fulmer was a guy who was always just like had fine stuff and then he didn't really walk anybody he got some strikeouts around league average and got the job done this year that's changed a lot he has by far the worst walk rate of his career it's over 10 percent. i think it's around 12 yeah which is a big change for him but the big reason for that is because someone just told him your slider is your best pitch and you should throw it as much as possible the last three years michael fulmer's slider usage rate has gone from 23 percent to 40%, and now this year, 65%.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely gross. The
1: pitch is disgusting. It's great. It throws almost every time. You get a little bit more command on that pitch because the command isn't great, but it looks really good. Great pitch movement on it. He could be a guy who's a, a legitimate weapon. But even with that, without it... The floor is a guy who is someone who is good but a little bit wild Which you and he's a for rentals you can get him very cheaply.
0: That last Tiger guy I want to mention is Joe Jimenez. Shout out my boy Torque Tank on Twitter who is a big Tigers fan who's been preaching the word of Joe Jimenez to me for four or five years now as long as I've known him. He's had a really really good year. He's been an all-star before so he's shown the ability to be a really good top end cl- uh, reliever throws in gas. baseball. He throws gas. He's been very effective cut down the walks. He's a fun guy too.
1: And he has another year of control next year so he'll be a fun guy to get Another guy talking. About a lot last David Robertson fan favorite just because he's been around for a while, former Yankee. He's a guy who has that, you know, that that closers mentality. The it's pedigree, play, playoff metal We've seen him do it before, and he's come back from a, lot, a slew of injuries. To stuff's right there. The cutter ball has yeah, color his life. Curveball looks good again. Where's the fun socks? Yeah, Cubs are gonna dump him. I think he's also a rental. But yes, he is. He, is a closer, and the guy who's kind of being regarded as one of the better relievers available, I think he will still cost a relatively expensive amount. So I don't know if he's a guy I want to trade for, but I do trust his skill 100%. Yeah.
0: Daniel Bard, another reliever. Really, really good. I don't. Is he a rental?
1: He is a rental. Okay, That's yeah.
0: So Daniel Bard has the cool story of he was out of baseball for like five, six, seven years, however long it was, and then went to the Rockies, which is yeah. historically the worst place to ever pitch, he's and he's been great ever since going to Colorado. I don't think it's anything to do with their team, you know, Development. I don't know if
1: it is either, but this year he also made a big adjustment switching from a four-seam fastball to a sinker, and the pitch is, like, unhittable or just gets beaten to the ground, which is kind of the best way to pitch. And he's still getting strikeouts. Oh, yeah, 100% because his slider is disgusting, and he still sits 97 miles an hour. He'd be awesome. And then I want to talk about David Bednar because he's the best reliever who could be available, but I don't think that's happening. No. The Pirates are, like, shockingly close to competition. Yeah. So I think by next year they want to see if they can scrounge up a playoff spot. I don't think they would trade their elite young closer for that opportunity. He's
0: got, like, five years of control, too.
1: Uh, this is his third year in the league. He's got a long time, I think. 21, so, 21, 22. I think he hits ARB this year. Okay, gotcha. He, he did debut for the Padres that one year before the trade.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's true. Sure that's where he learned
1: that at, uh, splitter, I believe, from Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates. Yeah. Yes.
0: Matt Bush is another name. Jose Leclerc, yeah. Scott Barlow. I mean, the list goes on and on.
1: We Barlow's just- the best guy from that list. He would cost a lot because he's two years of control, quality closer, and he's one of the few relievers available with above average stuff in command. Bush, former top pick, was out of the league, came back, great reliever, throws really hard. Two years of control. Jose Clark throws gas, but he doesn't know where it's going. Yeah. These are all guys. These are the types of guys, though. This list of about 10 or so relievers. Just look at these other teams. See who has three years. See who's already in arbitration. That's who can be traded for.
0: Definitely. And then let's talk about the fun part. Yeah. The bats, because obviously I feel like that's probably... The, the number one thing everybody wants in Mets world which there's is a lot
1: of people talk about the bullpen too, so.
0: for sure but yeah. I think the bat's the big one Josh Bell I feel like is the hot name right now oh, yeah. and I think there's definitely some legs on this I think that Josh Bell makes a lot of sense with this team
1: especially with the rumored package the Mets would have to be giving up I think that's a smash the only concern is that you get a guy Josh Bell and you have Vogelback and you'll probably still have JD Davis and you still have Pete Alonzo so that's Four guys who should really only be playing first base on one roster is not <laughs> exactly where I want to be.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little bit tough, but he's he's he absolutely hit. he can hit. The yeah. dude absolutely mashes. He'd be great switch other too, bat to add to this. I'm gonna could he could play the corner outfield. He, he theoretically
1: could. could. It's possible. Yeah. So I, honestly, you almost have to kind of try it. He'll be a rental as well. Yes, and he's a good bat. Otherwise, another good bat. A little bit older. Evan Longoria. Last few years had a great barrel rate out in San Fran. We still don't know where they are standing with. Competition or not, them getting swept by the Dodgers for four games.
0: It's also huge because Carlos Rodon's probably going to get traded too.
1: Yeah, which is freaking nuts. I would
0: love to get Carlos Rodon.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Put him on top of the list <laughs> yeah. too, along with Montez and Castillo and Molly. And then also Wilmer Flores from that team would fit well. Yeah, would fit well. And the Mets kind of do need a guy to go opposite of Vogelback who can be a little bit multidimensional. Buster only mentioned that during the broadcast tonight. That's kind of the player they're looking at. Other guys who fit that mold are Brandon Drury, who we know very good and well. He's having a crazy year in Cincinnati. He should have been an all-star. He's like 35% better than league average. Yeah. If he came back to the Mets, I'm sure we'd see like 2021 20, Brandon Drury, who was like 10% better than league average. But he can't play third. He can't play second in the pinch. He can't play corner outfield in the pinch. And he He's, plays first. And he plays first. He's the kind of guy who becomes like a late inning chess piece, who will probably get a lot of DH reps. And if not, you'll see him at the end of the game. Donovan Solano, similar, also in the Reds, just like a level worse than Drury. Does a little second, does a little third, can do a little outfield. Oh, we got barrel on the ball, though. Yeah, always Solano barrels. Always gets barrel on the ball. And
0: plays everywhere. Same yes. thing.
1: And the last guy, this kind of weird multidimensional guy that we thought about that hasn't been mentioned at all, oddly, is Whit Merrifield from the Royals.
0: Which it seems like the Royals probably just won't ever trade him because he's free. He had so much value in the past where they could have gotten like a serious haul for him a, th- a few years ago. And they didn't because yeah. his contract, like you said, is just straight up free. He makes like under $10 million a year. It's like seven or eight. Yeah, he's he's nuts. Former Gamecock as well. Would love to get him here. He plays second. He can play third. He yeah. plays all the outfield positions. Well. He f- the defensive positioning and the versatility fits exactly what the Mets need badly. Definitely. It's just...
1: The only question is his offensive profile is not what the Mets need. The Mets don't need another guy who only hits ground balls and softly <laughs> hit balls yeah. to add to this roster. Like that's just... Like, maybe if he's not that expensive, but I still feel like the Royals are going to cling to him tight and you're going to have to give up a real prospect to get him. They'd probably want Ronnie. I can't. I don't think I could stomach giving up a prospect with actual pedigree for a guy who hits the ball 92 miles an hour.
0: No, completely. I think for the right package, sure. Yeah. You want something good?
1: Like no. Like, maybe if we can get Scott Barlow and Whit Merrifield for Ronnie, that okay. I would do in a second. Sure, yeah, I'd maybe consider that a lot more. Like, another, another decent prospect. Because Barlow is two years of control and he's a very good reliever. He, again, would probably give the Mets, like, one of the best – back end, eight, nine punches in the whole league.
0: We can talk about Hunter Dozier, too, is another guy yes. from the Royals that we mentioned. <laughs> give, give us all of them. Give us all the Royals. They they have some fun players. Yeah, I know yeah. Ben Intende's a name that's being thrown around a bit, too. I'm not particularly sold on Ben Intendi fitting into this team. It just doesn't really make sense.
1: Just, as a single pure outfielder, I'll, then you get into the conversation, who's this person taking playing time away from? Yeah. Unless you just get more days where you're either – Jeff McNeil stays on the infield more consistently and you get – more of a platoon between Your Escobar, Guillarme at third, and this guy gets more DH reps, mixing in with um, mixing in with Vogelback too. But Dozier is a guy who he always has barreled the ball better than league average. He's league average about play discipline. It's been very much better than that in the past. He's a big dude. He's only thirty years old. Good like, athlete. He's a good athlete. He's a guy who I think could come and you could you could you could pay less for Hunter Dozier than you're paying for a lot of these other guys we're talking about and get equal or more production. He's
0: a guy who feels like. He could just like randomly have a weird little pop off, like a hot well, he's a hot had month. Some
1: years like that in the past. Just pulling up his stats right now. I think twenty well twenty nineteen doesn't really count, of course. Yeah, but fake balls. Twenty six homers. Yeah, two eighty average, at three fifty on base. If you, if you if you peel that back and he gives you ten homers over the last seventy games with a two fifty average, sign
0: us up. Lock, sign us up. And then I feel like some of the bigger names, especially in terms of the bats, are yeah. going to be Trey Mancini and JD Martinez. Yes, both of whom different reports have been put out by different guys that the Mets are very active and yeah. looking at JD and Trey Mancini.
1: Well, JD is definitely the best bat on this list. Definitely, if you want the best hitter possible is JD Martinez. It's still just the Red Sox are in that weird spot where we don't know if they're going to sell or not. I don't even know if they fully know either.
0: Getting the doors beat off them by the Blue Jays definitely helps. <laughs> they've been
1: they've been out they outscored by fifty four runs in the last five games.
0: They've gone up like sixty eight, right? Like
1: a lot of that came from a twenty seven uh, run at barrage by the Blue Jays on Friday. But they're in a weird spot. They also have some relievers that I think the Mets would be in, in, intrigued by as well. Yeah, as well as my favorite depth starting pitcher on earth. Rich Hill, we could use him. <laughs>
0: no, I think Rich Hill's hurt. I think he's out for the year. No, yeah, really? I think I think Rich Hill's got. I don't uh, think he's going to pitch again for the for the Red Sox this season. Poor enough for Rich. Yeah, sorry, Rich. But those are the big names with the bats. You also have the Wilson Contreras conversation yeah. because the Mets with the catching and the lack of offense. It's a possibility, but it just Wilson doesn't make that much sense in my head. If you're going to trade all these guys, I feel like you got to either get someone with control, yeah. or someone at a position relatively more in yeah like easier that'll make more of an impact is
1: there any precedent to like a big deadline catcher deal happening in the past i remember Lou Croy was and he got disappointed he
0: stunk yeah he was really bad i think it's just i think it's really really hard for one piazza yeah piazza's the one (laughs) but even he he struggled at the beginning so like i think it's really hard to come into a new team learn the pitching staff and then also this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news Be a really important bat.
1: Bassett talked to us about that the other day, where he was kind of I don't want to give away too much of in the interview. He's like, "It's hard when you don't know these guys to try and build up years worth of chemistry." And he said, "Like a month." Yeah. He's gonna. You're only gonna have a week with Contreras, and Contreras being the big bat he has, he's gonna be catching basically every single day if you do theoretically acquire him.
0: He could also just DH.
1: He could, but then you're just you're DHing him. Why well, just acquire DH for cheaper then? Yeah, true. Yeah, no, no. Compl- well, court. that I think that was the yeah. whole
0: conversation yeah. of like it's just gonna cost a lot. So why him?
1: Yeah, because also, like, if the, this Michael Perez trade also makes me think they're not going to go after another catcher because he's becoming this organizational depth, the, third, the third-string the third catcher, because it seems like Joseph, he's probably a little better receiver than me, But I thought Jan Gomes would be a good fit for that as well, yeah. a friend of Scherzer yeah. from back in the Washington days. But that doesn't look like it's going to happen either.
0: No, but, I mean, I think that's—is there any other names we can think of?
1: I mean, as far as bats—I mean, like, the Nationals are just going to get rid of people. Kyle Finnegan's a fun reliever who throws really hard. He could be cool. I'm sure, I mean, who else even, like, Nelson Cruz, I guess people want to see. There's always, there. There's always one surprise. There's always one surprise
0: name every year, every deadline that gets moved.
1: The White Sox are the interesting team in that regard, because yes. they have a lot of pieces there. But I just don't think they'll quit trying right now. They're no. not that far off a wild card spot. Sherry Reinsdorf. Yeah, like, they're seven games behind the Twins, five games behind the Twins, something like that. You like, think
0: the- he hired Tony La Russa to trade off the players no. that Tony La Russa wanted? Come no. on. No.
1: Oh man! But otherwise, like Eddie Bat in the Royals, I guess. Not, not many really other interesting ones though. No. We lost that on Haniger because now the Mariners are really good, which stinks. <laughs> um, most of the Angels, I guess. But who do you trade for from that team?
0: Shohei Otani.
1: There you go. I'll trade for Shohei. <laughs> Shohei Otani. What
0: do they want? Juan I mean, Soto. I hope we got Juan Soto. I
1: mean, we know that, but this it seems like just go. Now it makes a logical sense where it seems like they don't want to trade him in the division. Yeah. It seems like it's moving in that direction. All the Yankee fans freaked out today because Yason Dominguez, Jason. I'd say Yason. It's Jason. It is Jason. Yeah, very much Jason. The J A S S O N. Jason. Okay. I tried to play it up a little bit. Yeah, Jason Dominguez and Trey Sweeney both got pulled off uh, the high a field. So people are like, what's going
0: on? I think Trey Sweeney was in the midst of getting a cycle as well, oh I believe, God. in the game. So I'm it was so weird timing. That being said, what a perfect segue to yeah. go right into our series preview with the New York Yankees' first meeting of the year, the Subway Series. It is the baseball event of the year during the regular season, no so, doubt. It's
1: a premier New York City social event. Yeah, it's
0: going to be popping yes. at Citi Field. I don't It'd say that sense. often.
1: No, I... I can't remember whatever there's been this much buzz for a Subway Series without either team really playing that well either.
0: No, the Yankees are not as hot as they have been. Neither and the Mets. Mets, obviously. I mean, hey, maybe maybe that Pete Alonso wakes everything up. Maybe. It, did, it did feel like that was almost like a big <sighs> like a big pressure had been taken off everyone's shoulders. And like, everyone
1: oh, hit yeah. after that. Yeah. yeah. The RBIs from Nido and Guillaume, like, the lines kept moving really well after that. Which but, was nice. Yeah, he start rambling. I got to look at the pitching matchups. I believe actually going into today, both teams were TBD and TBA. They had different listings. I remember Wayne, Wayne was talking about it.
0: Well, Scherzer is pitching one of the games. They said that on Sunday Night Baseball. They said that for That sure. Scherzer is going to pitch maybe Wednesday? Well, Wednesday is his fifth day. Yeah, so it would be Wednesday then. So
1: then I guess we'll probably see Taiwan on Tuesday then. Yeah, it makes sense. Also, because Peterson came out of the bullpen briefly, gave up a run. I might have jinxed that one a little bit. But, yeah, he came out of the bullpen, so it looks like he is going to be a reliever at least for the next week. So yeah. good good time to try that out.
0: And I think all we know is that we missed Cole, right?
1: Yes, we do miss Cole.
0: Which, I mean, he he hasn't pitched well in big games anyway, so it might have been a good <laughs> thing. The guy's got no clutch bones in his body whatsoever. Like, but all,
1: all the Yankee pitchers are good now.
0: Yeah, I mean, the team's good. The team is really good. I You talked about, like, you don't remember the hype like this in a while. When's the last time that both the Mets and Yankees were in first place going into a Subway series?
1: First place? Yeah, it's got to
0: be quite some time, right?
1: I mean... 20, I remember 2015. There was some hype, but it wasn't Wasn't that one of the years the Yankees were kind of selling?
0: A little, well, like yeah, their selling is still being yeah. like ten games above five hundred. They like
1: weren't like they weren't like rock and rolling like we see them now. I think
0: they ended up having a pretty good year, but I 2015,
1: mean, yeah, I remember, I remember a couple of those years they were sellers at the deadline, people were freaking out. I mean, Wait, no, 20, oh, no, 2016 was when they were sellers at the deadline, so they got Glaber for yes, Madden. right, right,
0: right, right, right. But they've uh they've been really good this year. Oh, we actually the-
1: do have pitchers on here. now. Oh, we have pitchers now. So if. If this is true, which this would be a kind of cool, we have Tuesday night on TBS. Interesting, Taiwan Walker versus Jordan Montgomery.
0: Who Montgomery? Montgomery's
1: really good, but the, yeah. lefty with a curveball. Damn it! <laughs> but also like he's doing the De- Grom thing with the Yankees, where they just they they have trouble scoring when he's on the mound. Perfect. I tried to word that very carefully. Yes, I like that. Yes, good. And then Wednesday, I guess the thing probably gonna be both of these games. Wednesday, this 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 is almost too good that I can't even believe it. Scherzer versus Domingo Herman.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sign me up. Yes, that's that's the kind of matchup that I like to see in our favor. Absolutely. That being said. The Yankees' offense is just unbelievably good, too. Yeah, I
1: mean, the unbelievably good might be a stretch. I think there's some dead spots in that lineup now that some people get angry with. Especially, I mean, maybe just talking to too many Yankee fans yeah, I think who so. have too close a view of this. Like, like, you're talking
0: Joey Gallo. This is yeah. who I'm assuming. But Also,
1: Donaldson's been very hot and cold. Um, Matt
0: Carpenter's Barry Bonds. I
1: can't. I don't want to talk about Matt Carpenter. I don't want to <laughs> He's talk about just, Matt Carpenter. The guy, really guy literally I, doesn't oh get out. God.
0: It's unbelievable. I spent
1: last weekend in New Jersey. Mark met my uncle, who's very old. Who He's a assistant, so I'm not going <laughs> to say Lou's very old. Uncle Lou's seasoned. He's, he's a real <laughs> Mets historian. So Mark actually finally met him and saw what he was like in person. He was talking about how mad Matt Carpenter makes him for like forty-five minutes. He was irate. Just being good. He, how? What do you mean with this guy? Where did he get him from? Huh? He's on his couch.
0: I mean, he's he's like he's playing unbelievable. Like
1: yeah, he's incredible.
0: He still has like a fourteen hundred OPS, uh-huh. and he's now had like a couple uh, hundred fifty at bats probably with for the, the Yankees. The team stats. It's Just yeah, unbelievable yeah. how much they have. Aaron Judge is one of the five best players in the league this year i Clearly.
1: mean 30, his 37th home run sunday he's like on pace with roger maris for like we're breaking the american league home run record he's only he's only five home runs behind where barry bonds was in 2001 on his way to 70 something oh my god at, this, at the same amount of games played bonds is at 42 and Judge is at 37 that's
0: kind of crazy yeah. barry bonds at 72 Yep, <laughs> that's and, a lot of home runs
1: this yankee team is very anti-mets where they just have like the second highest barrel rate in baseball and the third highest heart hit rate so they also strike out a lot, but when they make contact, they really make contact. Really, it's hit. the exact except, opposite with the Mets. Except dope. Isaiah Connor Falefa. Except Isaiah Connor Falefa, but it kind of seems like they might have gotten him for that like exact reason as being a guy with contact. And he plays good
0: defense at shortstop.
1: I don't think he's played like good defense this year. I think he's had bad throws, but I've seen, I, I've seen a couple of clank jobs. Oh really? Yeah.
0: Now you're watching a little more Yankees than me.
1: I watch everybody. I yeah. Mean, I love this Yankee. Well, first of all, I just I made a lot of preseason bets on this Yankee team because I knew that they were going to be really sick. This bullpen's incredible. I I told you in like the middle of April that Michael King broke his elbow the other day. He's gonna miss the rest of the year. It was one of the best relievers in baseball. and You told me to shut my mouth. I did tell you to shut your mouth. <laughs> he's like one of the best relievers in baseball. I was I was dead on about that. So, Edwin. I wrote Diaz. an on pitcher listening off season that Clay Holmes is one of the best relievers in baseball. He has become one of the best relievers in baseball. Also, shout out to Evan Phillips on that blog. Evan Phillips came out of nowhere and he's nasty on the Dodgers. So he is nasty. Go back and look through that. I wrote up like five relievers who have all become great basically, except for Anthony Ghost. I thought it was I thought it was a really gonna hit one, but he's he's still fun. Yeah, but. This Yankee team just throws a lot of stuff at you. The bullpen's great. It does take a hit without King, but um, Clay Holmes is insane. Uh, who else is out there
0: in their bullpen? Yeah, uh, I'm pulling up stuff. Jonathan Loizaga, he's back he's actually now. Not very good this year. Okay,
1: but I think he like he still has the great.
0: They got Ronnie Baseball, Ronnie Ron Marinaccio yeah, just came back.
1: We're gonna see. We're gonna see the return of Miguel Castro at the city Field, which will be kind of funny. <laughs> Albert Albreu throws hard. I know um, Lucas Lukey. He's fine. He's crafty lefty. Yeah, Clark Schmidt is a guy who like. It's gonna be really good forever. Gamecocks. Yeah, really. Is Gamecock too. Another Gamecock. Yeah. Nice, but he's just become a good reliever as they're trying to like, get him ready to be a star there in the future. This team just has so many things to throw at you. Jose Trevino, they turned him into an all-star. Yeah, which is he's unbelievable. The, thing in the freaking world. Oh, it's so annoying. Glaber's awesome. DJ LeMahieu has been great again.
0: I think they're they're a good team. Yeah, they're the best team in baseball right now on paper. I think. Or, uh, I the you think the Dodgers are better than right I think, now? Something significant. Interesting. How? Yeah. What's your reasoning behind that?
1: I think they have a better lineup, and I think they. I don't know. I think I just see them as. I see them as being a better matchup to the other teams in the National League, better than the Yankees are.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah.
1: And also, I'm saying that because the Dodgers are blazing hot right now. The Yankees are kind of regressing the mean a little bit, but I I take that. I think the Dodgers have lost like seven of their last 34 games. Yeah, they're
0: like just casually almost 30 games, about 500 now. Yeah, the
1: Dodgers top three in the lineup. Like, the Yankees don't have a top three like that. The Yankees top three is still very good, but it's not.
0: And no Stanton, right, this series? Because he's hurt? Oh, yeah. So that's that's nice that we get to not see. And of course, we remember the last time the Mets and the Yankees played. Francisco Lindor through run home run game and there was some animosity there there were some words exchanged this game I think might get a little bit chippy at points where there's gonna be a little bit of a little bit of talk I
1: I think now the Yankees are starting to realize that the Mets are kind of increasing their foothold in New York City the the Mets are becoming trendier the Mets are becoming cooler the Mets are fine Mets are spending more money than the Yankees like this is a this is a new world order and this is a chance for these two teams to kind of prove what they're worth in New York. Really duke it out. Yeah, it's going to be fun.
0: So, that being said, of course, we're going to bring in Johnny Stats here, John the producer, to talk about estimates because as you guys know, we have our running game on the podcast where we have to guess we have to guess things and the loser The, boy's frozen. the loser is going to have to wear a tuxedo to opening day on 2020 or of 2023. So, I believe, I mean, maybe John can give us the update here, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I lost the last
1: one. I
3: think you did too. You're right, Mark. You, uh, you definitely dropped this second one. Um, so that, that drops you to 0-2 so far. Um, you know, it's, it's getting late early. Uh, I guess that's appropriate. <laughs> Yogi Berra met an incredible segue. Um, before we get into this upcoming estimate, I just want to get your guys' takes. Favorite Subway Series moment of all time. Let me get Ooh. one for me, I mine, Yeah, you mine, go first. Mine's
1: definitely, I think we talked about this a few episodes ago, but one of my favorite games I've ever been to, the David Wright walk-off double off of Mariano Rivera, I believe in 2006. Yeah, Game because I all started. The Mets were down early in that game, and it came all the way back, and David Wright got the big hit off of Mariano Rivera. I feel like that kind of was a big moment for Wright to like put his stamp on being one of the better players in baseball. Being there was very cool.
0: When I think of Mets-Yankees, I think of there's like three moments. But I'm gonna pick the my favorite one because it's it's so crazy. But how about when Daysung Koo? Yeah, <laughs> what it? he hit? A, he hit a triple right off of Randy Johnson,
1: Johnson. Yeah, in
0: Shea Stadium. In Shea Stadium, which like that's just that's unbelievable. That's something I'll never forget. But I mean, like Piazza owning the Yankees is awesome. So anytime yeah. Mike Piazza played the Yankees, Jacob he he DeGrom, did well. First career start. Yep, Jacob Degrom first career start. And I was also going to talk about what was it the eight RBI the grand slam by Carlos Delgado. Yeah. when they played at Yankee Stadium so the Mets have had some really good moments against the Yankees especially in our lifetime mm-hmm. obviously we lost the World Series that's not a cool one but no, bad one. I mean there's been a lot good and we saw Lindor hit three home runs too last year and which we was saw the
1: Mets really handle the Yankees in Yankees' Stadium yeah remember that, well, what that oh that was the Jose the, Peraza off of Chapman moment yes
0: Jose Peraza off of Chapman and then did Ahmed Rosario hit a walk-off 20s, in 20s. Yankee Stadium yes, with no fans yes with no fans and I remember being like the Mets get to celebrate a walk off at on Yankee Stadium field, just elite Twitter bait. I what, what about you, John? What's your favorite?
3: Well, I'm a little bit older than you guys. Um, the '99 game, the Matt Franco walk off hit, that was a classic. Back and forth, the Yankee fans. I happen to be at that game. And <laughs> I, I'll never forget the. I don't want to. I don't want to use the word obnoxious. I feel like it's. It's not nice, you know, like, we <laughs> want to be all friends here, but they were very obnoxious that day. <laughs> actually, ball, I'm filing out of Shea Stadium, um, and the jubilation was incredible. Also, low-key, not a great Mets team in 2004, but the Mets swept the Yankees at Shea Stadium in 2004. Richard Hidalgo went on a heater. My boy. He,
1: actually,
3: he actually has the Mets record for most consecutive games of the home run. And it came in that span. Ty Wigington had a huge series. So that's another good one, especially because that was a real David versus Goliath situation. Yeah. Where the Mets, the Yankees kind of overlooked the Mets in that series. I believe the Jeter play when he dove into the stands against the Red Sox. Yeah. That series was right after. And the Yankees like weren't worried about the Mets at all. It felt like, and the Mets caught him and swept him. So that was great too. But you brought up the Ahmed Rosario walk-off home run, and that brings us a perfect segue to this, this episode's estimate. Um, you guys remember who he hit the home run against, right? Of course, Rolls Chapman. Aroldis Chapman. And Aroldis Chapman has had a rough go of it, as we know. Um, since his return, let's see, I picked up these numbers earlier in the day. So he's he's been back for eight games. He's made eight appearances since coming back from the injured list, and he has an ERA close to 10. It's 995 and in his last nine outings against the Mets, his ERA, and this is not a typo, it's not a mistake, 16.50. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. And I could just rattle off the moments right now. Pete Alonzo, a game-tying home run <laughs> right at the Yankee Stadium. J.D. Davis, a game-tying home run yeah. two years ago, that September 3rd game when Pete at the walk-off, um, the Ahmed Rosario walk-off home run. So, He's I mean, it's been big hit after big hit. So I want you guys to tell me. How many pitches is a Roldish Chapman going to throw in this upcoming
0: Subway Series? And it's a two-game series, too. Yeah,
1: do you want to go first or second? Oh
0: man, I don't know. I guess I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. We'll just alternate every episode, okay. I guess, even though I, I'm in a deficit. But <laughs> I'm going to say Roldish Chapman throws 26 pitches.
1: That's a good number. I was going to I was going to sit right in that same spot. I guess going second, I just have to be an ass. You're either lower or higher. Yeah, I got to go basically over or under 26 and six and a half. And I'm I'm gonna go under. Okay. I'm going. I'm gonna go twenty five.
0: All right. <laughs> twenty five versus twenty six. I have not had the best of luck in no. these in these scenarios. I've been a little ice cold. That's probably my best my best guess that I've made though thus far. It's yeah. called growth.
1: It was almost such good, so good of a guess though. You kind of backed yourself into taking the side of that guess you wouldn't have wanted.
0: Probably. Yeah. yeah probably. <laughs> I did two game series. I'm like he's got to. It's going to be weird because there's a world where he doesn't pitch. The Mets, if the Mets just oh, so smack the Yankees that, yeah. around, he might just not even throw a single
1: pitch. Or actually kind of the opposite of that because he's been so bad recently. He's not being used in high leverage roles at all. So if the Mets are winning a game, say 8 nothing, might just let him throw 25 pitches. in the fifth inning, yeah.
0: Dude, if he throws 25 pitches, I'm going <laughs> to lose it. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to be like, one
1: more! Oh,
0: like, Mark can't. Where's Mark canna when I need him? That guy oh. takes pitches like crazy.
1: Also, oh, Marcy Canna just said, it's officially Canna, not can Okay. tweeted it exactly. Yes, breaking news. Late night breaking news. Twelve twenty on the pod. Tweet thirty four minutes ago. So there's been a discussion of the can can a household. <laughs> she said, "I'm not, I'm not all of a sudden becoming." I'm a not can changing yet. my name. Yeah, everyone, <laughs> no every
0: does. I changed it already once. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not changing oh, it again.
1: Man. I've had some funny name things in the past. I was calling one of my roommates now the wrong name for like a month. He never corrected me. Really? Yeah, it's
0: terrible. Oh, that's bad. Are you bad with names? I'm horrible with names. Oh, I'm so good with I'm names. I'm
1: terrible with names. His name is Dylan. I called him Zach. <laughs> a <laughs> oh, month. A month. <laughs> He didn't say That's not a
3: pronunciation thing. That's just-
1: oh, it's not even close. I was just incorrect. I was literally wrong. And then I found out wow. after five years of living with like my longtime college roommate, one of my best friends, I was pronouncing his name wrong the whole time. He never corrected me. Oh, my God. His name is spelled L-E-V-O-N. I called him LeVon. And his graduation party, his grandma was there, and she was calling him LeVon. And I was like, is that how you say your name? He's like, yeah. And, like, me... His girlfriend, like two of her other friends were like, why didn't you ever tell us that?
3: It's the wrong name. We've been using the wrong freaking name for all these years. It was bizarre, but yeah, I'm bad with names.
0: You know me. I'm a big pronunciation guy.
3: Yeah, gotta be. If someone has your name wrong, are you the kind of, are you guys the kind of guys who are just going to be up front, like you have it wrong, or are you going to let yeah. it slide? No, no I'll, I'll, I'll say it. No, no I'm, I'm I, 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 If you let it slide, it's over. It's dead. One time, it's over. Yeah, like,
0: was a little easier, at least.
1: I mean it's an easy name in this part of the country. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But
0: you start throwing Luino out there, UI, yeah. and then an O at the end, people get like the amount of Lunos or Luinos or Luano, that people throw them all out. Especially at South Carolina. That was like the ultimate test of where were you from? Yeah. Could you pronounce my last name?
1: hundred percent. I've got I got the Jim a lot when I was younger and I was like, I don't want that at all. Dude, Jib, yeah. Bad name. I like that. No. <laughs> But yeah I remember my driving instructor called me jimmy and i was like this is one person i am was like i'm only gonna hang out with this guy six more times i gotta get out of this car
0: oh my god yeah, yeah. You, you'd be a completely different person if you were jimmy oh
1: i would have no, no similarities <laughs> no i would be so significantly like less uh, prosperous would
0: you even be doing this podcast that's the real no. question no
1: way absolutely no way that's like if you had a k
0: yeah, yeah, don't even get me. Screw that's, that's the one that gets me, yeah, is when Mark people put Mark with a K. I've had, like, <laughs> family members who put K. I'm like, there's three of us, and then we're all with a C. You can't, <laughs> you can't mess that up.
1: Yeah, what are you going to do, though? Names. Names are hard. I don't like names.
0: And, Johnny, I so guess you have John with no H. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, I mean, I get all sorts of things. Sometimes people put an H early. Like, remember Johnny Peralta? Yes. So, he spelled I- it J-H-O-N-N-Y, and I would pronounce it Johanny Peralta. I mean, it wasn't Johnny Peralta. Johnny Peralta. But sometimes people slip the H in early in the name. I'm like, where? Yes. No one spells it like that.
0: It's an, uh, it's an unlikely spelling.
3: No,
1: especially not unless, unless you're from like Curacao. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. John Barron, no way. No, it's,
0: right. a, he's, a, he's a Positano John. He's not yeah, Curacao yeah, John. John. Johnny Threads. Yeah, Johnny Threads. He's on John. But uh, anyway. <laughs>
3: But anyway, best of luck to you guys. Mark, I'm kind of rooting for you this week. Um, I just, you know, a three-game lead is, it feels a little insurmountable.
0: We, we're trying to count up the episodes we've got left three <laughs> game, three games might be a I mean, tough one i think
1: the listeners can definitely agree that it's like one of us has to in a tuxedo they would much rather it be mark probably it's
0: yeah. my twitter following would probably appreciate a little yeah, bit like more
3: patent leather shoes oh my god that'd be so, the, fun. <laughs> so funny we got lots of time SP where he got his gucci's from i, I guess you yeah know. true yeah maybe we could borrow yeah maybe i
0: could borrow you think i could fit into these shoes <laughs> five foot nine it's no shot. Anyway, we're getting we're losing it. John, thanks for the estimate. Appreciate oh, it. Let's wrap up this episode here. Episode one eleven of the I messed up podcast. Home. Yeah, James, it's twelve twenty five.
1: I gotta be up at 8 tomorrow, so I got to bike home. How long is the bike ride? Half hour.
0: Half hour, so you'll get half home hours, around miles. 1 o'clock in the morning. Yep. If everything runs smoothly. I got to put
1: my laundry. I did my laundry here during the episode just because I didn't feel like going to the laundromat this week and Mark's moving out.
0: <laughs> so he did his laundry, we did an episode, we watched the game, and we got the subway series coming up. We're going to be at both of the games most likely, mm-hmm. uh, definitely on Wednesday night for sure.
1: I was going to say definitely on Tuesday. I think Tuesday is the one I when Tuesday, Tuesday. we have some fun.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, we'll have we're gonna have a great time no matter what. So Go if ahead. you guys are at the stadium, make sure you say hello. We're gonna be walking around doing some content during the game as well. So if you want to appear on the TikTok, you want to have a chance to get in an episode.
1: Definitely hit us up. Don't abuse this privilege, guys. I'm gonna tell you because we want to do some content with either couples or groups of friends or even siblings, family members who are split Mets and Yankees. Yes, we got some fun stuff we have planned, and we'd really like to talk to some people who have that situation.
0: So if you're around, come say what's up. We'll have stickers for you guys as well. We've been handing them out. Throw them on your phone. Throw them on your laptop a
1: lot of stickers out this weekend Friday and Saturday a lot of people a lot of people came up to me and was like hey I get a sticker I know we can only get them in person so it's, it's, become, a- it's becoming a bit of a cult thing it's a hot sticker also shout out the dude who I shot that last episode from the summer camp in Monroe so, so, yeah, I'm mentioning you again my cousin still hasn't told me your name but shout you out thanks for being a loyal listener there you and go if you're, if you're ever in the game hit us up we'll give you a sticker too
0: and if you are listening to us where they can find us Apple podcast Spotify Google podcast wherever you get them Drop us a rating drop us a review download follow subscribe if you're following us on our social media at stuff everywhere we've been posting a lot on tiktok instagram and twitter
1: good jet williams tiktok over 10,000 views
0: yep if you like the youtube videos if you like the video version of this check out the new york mets youtube channel follow james on twitter at james shiana follow me at giraffe nick mark that's where we wrap it up guys see you after the subway series let's show the yankees who the best team in new york is
1: that's a bad soundbite see you guys later <laughs> peace <laughs> catch you next time
2: get up. Get, get up.